Emotet as a total, I often consider it like one big infection factory. Welcome to the Europol podcast, the official podcast of the EU's law enforcement agency. In this series, we shine a light on some of the biggest operations Europol has supported and how we continue to fight crime. The King of Malware. On a cold day in January 2021, 30 of Europe's leading cybercrime specialists gathered at the Europol headquarters in The Hague. Today, however, was no ordinary operational meeting. This was a culmination of two years of careful planning and research. Their task was the takedown of one of the most destructive botnets of the last decade, Emotet. This one was very smooth. I was as an example of coordination, I would say, in two hours, three hours. We had a plan set up and we followed each step uh, that it was uh, accomplished and it went perfectly. Bogdan is one of the cyber specialists who was at Europol that day. Hi, my name is Bogdan. I'm a specialist working at AP Cyber and one of the um, Europol uh, staff that have been um, assigned to work on this investigation. These specialists had one chance to implement a new and innovative approach they had developed to take down a botnet this dangerous. This would allow them to dismantle the criminal infrastructure used by the criminals before they did any more damage. It turned out that Operation Ladybird, as it was called, was a great success, but it took a lot of preparation in the years before the takedown to get to that historic day. This episode will hear from specialists like Bogdan and take a closer look at the evolution of Emetet in the seven years before the takedown. We'll investigate how it earned the title, the king of malware, and how the police finally outsmarted the hackers. In recent years, our lives have become more and more entwined with technology. One of the greatest challenges now facing modern law enforcement is the growing prevalence of cybercrime and specifically malware attacks. Malware is short for malicious software. It is intentionally designed to damage computers and systems and to facilitate criminal activities such as theft or fraud. The story of this particular type of malware, called Emetet, begins in 2014. This is when it was first spotted as a banking trojan. It aimed to hide inside computers and steal banking credentials from the machines it was installed on. It was consistently ranked number one by internet monitoring groups as the most wanted malware. Here's Bogdan explaining Emotet in some more detail. Emotet is a malware, a prolific malware that was used by different cyber criminals to infect computer systems and basically using it as a base layer for deploying all other types of malware that would have and have impacted systems and possibly the lives of um, citizens and companies. It was used to, after the initial infection, it was used to deploy um, different types of malware, such as ransomware, for example. That means that Emotet gave the cyber criminals unauthorized access to computer networks. Then this access was sold to other top level criminal groups. These criminals could carry out illicit activities such as data theft and extortion through ransomware. Each case began with the same entry point, a harmless-looking email. So what caused Emotet to be crowned the king of malware? Why was it so dangerous? Emotet could be hidden inside emails, either in an attached document or in a malicious hyperlink included in the email. If the victim opened that attachment or clicked the link, Emotet was in their computer. It was installed without the victim even knowing. Any devices using the same network as the infected device were vulnerable. 
Emotet was able to travel between machines that were using the same network. Robert Schaap works in the National High Tech Crime Unit of the Dutch Police. My name is uh, Robert Schaap. I'm an advisor in uh, public-private partnerships and uh, trying to, well, uh, have the private sector engaged in our investigations. And he explains some more about how the Emotet malware spread. One of the ways that the botnet propagated itself was that it used uh, the email boxes of the, uh, the bots, the, the email boxes of the, of the people uh, using their laptops, uh, to spread new emails to all the contacts of that person. So one infected computer would send out a lot of emails to people in their contact list. So they get an email from somebody they trust, so they open it. But then there's an Emotet package attached to that email, and they get infected. So that's the way that it's also used to spread the malware itself. This is where the malware began to show how dangerous it was. While you are unlikely to open an email from an unknown sender, if the email appears to be from a friend or family member, then you are much more likely to be tricked into opening it. This then spreads Emotet further as it gains access to more and more computer networks. Once Emotet infects a victim's computer, the computer then becomes part of a larger network of compromised machines. Together, the infected computers function as one entity and form what is known as a botnet. This is essentially an army of zombie computers that can be remotely controlled by criminals. The criminals run the botnet using command and control servers. This is a network of servers that the infected computers regularly connect to, checking for new Emotet commands. The hackers then send commands to the servers, which can be disseminated to the infected computers. Emotet was spreading rapidly around the world. And if, in its cyber travels, Emotet infected a machine with a lot of internet bandwidth, it could then be added to this command and control network. Marine is a specialist who joined Europol's Cybercrime Centre in summer 2022. Prior to this, he worked in the same unit as Robert on the Emotet takedown. My name is Marijn Schiebeers. And he explains further. Even your own computer will be upgraded to become part of the botnet infrastructure because sometimes it's automatically noticed that the infection is on a heavy machine with a lot of internet bandwidth and calculation. They say, okay, this is not only worth to steal the data which is on the machine, but we can use it actually as an important server. So then the infection affected machine is upgraded into the botnet, into its infrastructure, and it will become just a command and control server in the whole factory rather than only a simple bot. And Emotet's operators use the botnet to send more Emotet. They instructed infected machines to send more automated emails from the victim's email account. This spread Emotet further. They were sent to victims' entire contact lists, meaning the malware could proliferate at an alarming rate. With no borders to cross and no documents to check, in just a few clicks, Emotet could travel across the globe. And as it traveled, it could steal more banking information from the machines it was infecting. Even antivirus software couldn't stop it. Emotet has a polymorphic design, meaning that each time the malware opened up, it changed its code. The antivirus couldn't recognize Emotet's code as a risk because the machine thought it was just another innocent file on your computer, like a Word document or an image. So the Emotet malware was able to hide from detection and could automatically proliferate itself by sending spam emails. Between 2014 and 2017, Emotet had infected hundreds of thousands of machines worldwide. 
But it was in 2017 that Emotet evolved into a much more lucrative operation. They're going back to their core business. They used to be a banking trojan, but it is actually they're very good in getting infections. It's an infection factory. And now monetizing that is easier by selling it on than trying to steal your money from a bank account. So it's just evolving economy. Rather than just stealing bank credentials, a serious crime in itself, Emotech could now act as an open door for other hackers. This could provide access, for example, for ransomware, which locks all relevant computer files until a sum of money is paid, or for spyware that steals information from a computer. All the while, the botnet continued to grow as computers worldwide were bombarded with Emotet carrying spam day after day. With this new capacity, and Emotet having successfully spammed its way into so many computers, it had truly earned the name the King of Malware. Businesses and individuals around the world found themselves the victims of these criminal efforts, and one estimate put the global damage done by Emotet at around $2.5 billion. This generated millions for Emotet's operators. So, what was law enforcement doing to respond to this threat? The police needed to target Emotet at its source. If the command and control servers could be compromised or taken offline, no commands could be sent to the Emotet botnet. That stops the criminals telling Emotet to do their bidding. And that ends the criminal operation. However, as this was a crime that spanned multiple countries, it was time for Europol to step in to coordinate the action. It's very important in international coordination to have discussions, direct discussion between the countries, to know each other, to understand uh, everyone what is working on. And at Europol, we have organized these meetings in person, virtually. We brought together, I think, more than 100 different investigators, uh, digital forensic examiners, cryptocurrency experts, uh, analysts. So they would get together, they would discuss on common findings, their investigations, their, uh, what they need to do next in their uh, uh, cases. And uh, we use these meetings as a platform to coordinate further steps. With this international collaboration, the specialists involved observed that Emotet's servers were set up in three tiers. This meant that finding the core command and control servers, housed in tier three, would require tracing the malware through tiers one and two. These tiers consisted of hundreds of servers located all around the world, from Argentina to South Africa to Taiwan. In order to legally gain access to these tier one systems, private sector companies and law enforcement realized that it was actually beneficial for them to allow themselves to become infected by Emotet. This would give them access to the Emotet infrastructure. The way uh, partially the industry works is that they infect themselves, because how do you are able to wiretap legally a tier one system? Well, uh, basically the private sector cannot, uh, but there's one exception if the tier one server is themselves, because you can wiretap yourself as much as you want, right? So what they do sometimes is like inf have themselves infected with the general malware, but uh, do that on, on a bigger machine and that the Emotet malware will detect, hey, this is an interesting machine, maybe to have it upgraded to a tier one server, that happened, and then the private sector started monitoring that tier one system and see where the communications to the tier two layers went. By wiretapping themselves and getting upgraded into the botnet, law enforcement could slowly build a picture of the botnet by seeing who and what their hacked server was trying to connect to. And this is where investigators hit their first roadblock. They found the core of the Emotet botnet, tier three, but it wasn't great news. There were a total of three core command and control servers in Tier 3. 
and they were all housed in Russia. With no way to lawfully access the servers, investigators needed to wait patiently for an opportunity to strike. But in late 2020, something changed. Why the criminals did this isn't clear, but they decided to move two of their three Russia-based command and control servers. And not to just anywhere, they moved them to the Netherlands. Dutch law enforcement was now able to lawfully access these two command and control servers. Their activities caused a few hours of downtime, but thankfully the criminals didn't even notice. The investigators were now in. After a few months of laying in the Emotet network undetected, the investigators had found a way to take down the malware. To do this, they came up with a plan. Uh, we agreed on an operational action plan together that had mainly three pillars. So first was uh, identification of the suspects, of the suspects that are behind Emotet. Secondly, to identify, monitor, seize, and take down the criminal infrastructure. And third, uh, it was the, um, to seize the financial assets of these uh, suspects. And each of these pillars have been assigned to be led by specific countries, by a specific country. As part of the first pillar in their plan, the investigators had managed to uncover the identity of one of the server admins. They tracked him to an address in Ukraine. Crucially, this led them to the key to the third command and control server, meaning that all three servers behind Emotet were now under the control of law enforcement. Only when the third key was collected, then the whole process of feeding the own binaries to the bots started, because we wanted to have all bots. So what did the team do next? They made their innocuous law enforcement binaries available to the network of infected machines. A binary is essentially a file containing a command for the computers in the botnet. These commands would then replace the original malicious payload. A malicious payload or malware is a file that the hackers were using to give instructions to computers under their control. From a technical and from a legal perspective, we did not even like send the bots um, uh, that new binary, that updated binary to have them reconnected to uh, basically to police infrastructure. But we basically put it on the servers that were under our control in a legal way. We, we confiscated them, we hacked into them, and we put, uh, we put new malware binaries in. But the bots themselves, they are programmed that each day or each certain amount of hours, they will connect to the command and control server, see if there is any updated malware for them. And if there, there is updated malware, they will pick it up themselves. The law enforcement specialists working on the case now directed all Emotet requests to a sinkhole, a dud IP address controlled by law enforcement. So, when the thousands of infected machines connected to the control servers to receive their latest instructions 15 minutes later, they would all receive this final instruction and be sent to the sinkhole instead. And so, in 2021, after more than seven years of cyber attacks, Emotet was taken down. Emotet was a great example of how uh, law enforcement coordination at international level should work. Um, all the countries, all, um, all the members of the investigative teams from the countries have been fully committed from day one to cooperate. They have understood from the beginning that such a case cannot be run by one specific country because of the data, because of the entities, because of the number of the suspects investigated. They all contributed resources, human resources, technical resources, to the common goal. 
So, is the king of malware dead? As it looks, um, where the, the, uh, the botnet is down, where the perpetrators are at the moment, is still under investigation. That means that Emotet is still a threat. This time, however, law enforcement has the benefit of experience. Europol effectively coordinated multiple countries and carried out a seamless takedown. This means that the next time they need to carry out an Emotet takedown, the response will be even more effective than before. If you don't want to be a victim of malware, always update your computer when prompted. Don't open email attachments or click on hyperlinks unless you're absolutely sure of where they came from. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you're using and tell your friends on social media about us. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Europol.